On today's Locked On Jayhawks, we preview the game that College Game Day is going to be at. Should be a big one. Two teams tied for first in the Big 12, Kansas and Baylor. That on today's episode of the show. You are Locked On Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 on KLWN, your flagship station in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. And on today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're previewing Kansas versus Baylor. It's a top 10 showdown. It's the top two teams in the Big 12, at least two of the three. They're they're tied for first with Texas. It's where college game day is at. Um, it's a big game. It's a very big game. And uh, obviously this is, you know, been two of the best teams in the country the past handful of years as well. It's a very, very big game. First, this episode, though, of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you. FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. Top storylines of the game between Kansas and Baylor. I mean, Anytime you have a top 10 showdown, that on its own is a storyline. I don't really need to dig deeper into that. Uh, but it is the top of the Big 12. So you're looking at Baylor and Kansas and Texas all tied for first in the league. Uh, Kansas still has to go to Texas in the regular season finale. And um, it, it it's not that the loser of this game is going to be eliminated from competition. Like, clearly they could just lose their – like, Kansas could win this game and then lose to TCU in their very next game. And all of a sudden Baylor wins their next game after, you know, losing this one and they're tied again. Right. So in as difficult as a big 12 as this is, and because it would just be a one game lead, it's, it's for sure not over, but um, certainly the winner of this gets a huge edge up on getting at least a share of the big 12 done. And for Kansas to, to get that math done, you know, you have nine wins, you want to get to 12. If you think that's what it's going to take to win a share of the league, like Ken Palm is predicting right now, just went out at home. This is your toughest home game left. Easier said than done. If you're Baylor, you get a big win in Allen Fieldhouse. It's a huge boon for you, especially knowing Kansas still has to play at Texas and uh, they probably need this one maybe more than Baylor. I don't know. I haven't taken a look at uh, Baylor's schedule down the road. Now, another storyline, this is the last two national champions. We heard that a lot in the last meeting between the two. You'll hear it again headed into this matchup. And yeah, it doesn't matter to this one. Like, you know, what is Jared Butler or or Daniel, what does Christian Brown, Ochai Baji have to do with this matchup? They don't. But it just adds to the stakes of the game, and it just makes it feel so much more real about, you know, how much this matchup has mattered to national college basketball. It's not just about playing each other. It's not just about the Big 12 titles. It's that whichever team has, has flexed their muscle a little bit more in this matchup has gone on to do huge things overall in college basketball who knows we might have even had a kansas baylor national championship game uh, the year that the the tournament was canceled due to covid um but that's kind of what these two programs have become to heavyweights and so anytime you you match up that's certainly going to be a storyline college game days there that's a huge storyline you know you get all the hoopla and um the college game day beforehand with the show and um you get you know uh and uh, just everything that kind of comes with that, like the attention to the game and, and all that. So that's always a good thing. 
Um, I, I think the next storyline, though, is injuries to Kansas. You're dealing with a lot of injuries right now, whether it's Cam Martin and Kyle Cuff still trying to recover back, whether it's Zuby Adjifer coming back from the Kentucky game, which we have seen him the last two games, so it seems like he has kind of recovered there. Um, Zach Clements, his injury status. Bobby Pettiford, his injury status. He played last game, but then went right back to the bike after he had missed time due to injury. DeWan Harris and Kevin McCuller. A lot of injuries to talk about here for Kansas. And then if you're just continuing on with the, I guess, injury and recovery mode theme, you have uh, everyday John for Baylor. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the last name. Um, Chama Chachua is what I thought it was, but it sounds like a bunch of people are pronouncing it differently this year. So I don't know. Um, He's coming back from injury, and he's been like hitting threes for Baylor from the outside. So you have the injury story of KU trying to get all these guys recovered. You have the injury story of Baylor having a guy recovered, and that certainly is a storyline headed into this game. And then I think the the last big story that I have here is Kansas trying to avoid the sweep. It's not often that Bill Self has been swept by an opponent in Big 12 play. I think, in fact, it's just twice. Uh, Texas did it in the 2020 to 21 season. And then um, they might have played Texas. I think they would have played Texas in the Big 12 tournament that year. So could have been 0-3. Nobody has gone 3-0 and against Bill Self in his time where they beat him twice in the regular season then beat him in the uh, uh, Big 12 tournament. Texas might have had for that, if not for KU having to back out of that Big 12 tournament uh, due to COVID after they'd beaten Oklahoma in the first round. But Oklahoma State did it in 2017-18. Then Kansas beat them in the first round of the Big 12 tournament and the Big 12 quarterfinals. So it's only happened twice in Bill Self's tenure that somebody has swept KU. Baylor has the opportunity to become the third. It's a lot easier said than done when you're, you know, a lot of times I, I feel like we've seen it happen where I think in both of those cases, this is how it went. Because Oklahoma State beat KU and Allen Fieldhouse first, then they beat them in Stillwater. Texas beat KU and Allen Fieldhouse first. They won by like 20-whatever, and then they won in Austin. It's easier when you have the first one in Lawrence, or maybe you can sneak up on them a little more. But now KU is the team playing for a little bit of revenge with the edge on their uh, chip on their shoulder, and they're playing at home. That certainly is helpful for KU. But yeah, trying to avoid the sweep, and you know, from from like a resume perspective, Kansas getting swept or not, Kansas getting a win against Baylor or not, like they already have the most quad one wins. Sure, it would help to add even another one, but like. At the end of the day, that's not going to change much. It's just trying to avoid being swept by one of the teams you're competing with the title with because, A, that would certainly help them try to win the title. It would hurt you to not win the title, but it is a bit of a pride thing, too. You just don't want to be swept by some of these other top Big 12 opponents and feel like you're competing with everyone in the conference at kind of uh, the very highest level here. We're going to get on to uh, what happened in the first matchup, our scouting report of Baylor. also have our matchups of the game coming up shortly, but first this episode, episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season is here. Now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet everything from money line to point scores um, you can bet on most threes drained. There's all sorts of fun prop bets that you can bet in the game. Um, well, I haven't seen any props come out yet. It's uh, They'll probably come out like Saturday morning for the Baylor game, maybe Friday afternoon. So I don't have any yet for the KU game, but I will just tell you this. I am I am uh, thinking a good game for Grady Dick. He's coming off that, that high game against Oklahoma State. He had 24 against Baylor last time. As good 
as those Buller three guards are offensively, they sometimes can struggle defensively. And I think Grady Dick could have another good performance that you'll be able to take him 15 plus points. It was for the Oklahoma State game, him to score 15 plus was like plus 106, 108, somewhere in that range. Um, it might be down a little, little more toward even because of the Oklahoma State game, but that would be something I'd be all aboard. I would even be all aboard throwing something on Grady Dick at plus or, or 20 plus points where you can get like maybe plus 200, plus 300 odds, something like that. And they'll have all those up uh, on FanDuel, make uh, the game even more fun. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger game parlay. I love doing that. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports bet part of the NBA. What happened in the first matchup and the scouting report of Baylor? So Baylor won the first matchup in Waco, 75 to 69. Um, it was the what second, third straight game, the Baylor third straight game that Kansas had lost at the time. Baylor, if you remember, lost three straight to open the season. So both these teams have, although it's come at different times and, you know, been uh different points in their journey both teams have gone over those three game losing streaks and have been able to bounce back from that and very similar in that regard both these teams were the preseason favorites to win the conference before the year start um, but Baylor got off to a hot start they were up like 23 to 14 at one point okay you kind of battled back uh I think they might have got double digits at one point after the hot start KU had it to a I think seven point game at halftime which honestly felt a little fortunate that it was even that and then KU came out strong to start the second half, ended up getting in front, and then Baylor immediately like went down and, and canned a three or two and then got the lead back. Then you almost had a late charge. You almost had a late comeback, but a couple bad plays. like You had a couple bad turnovers there. And uh, like the one where Dewan tries to throw it up to Joe when you're trying to come back. You almost pushed toward the very end, but they ended up pulling away in the end. Jalen was great for you. He had 21 points. On uh, seven of nine from two point range, three of seven from three point range, but it wasn't a great rebounding game for him. You're going to need more from him rebounding this go around against Baylor. Kevin McCuller was excellent. He had uh, that one stretch where he looked really bad offensively, where he missed like back to back corner threes. He also had the the shot like blocked. Um, but overall, he had 14 points, 12 rebounds, four assists for you. And then Grady Dick was great. 24 points. He uh, went six of eight from two, two of five from three. That was one of the games that Grady really showed his full repertoire of offense. He was able to drive a little bit and show off a lot more. K.J. Adams really struggled. He was just one of five. He got in foul trouble. Dewan Harris, if you remember, that was when he was really struggling. I mentioned that turnover play that was certainly key. You feel like both those guys are trending in a better direction this time. You also got nothing from the bench. Uh, Joe Yesfu, Bobby Pettiford, Ernest Dude, Rice combined had two points. It came from M.J. Rice. I think they had a combined... Six rebounds from those four guys. Uh, so it was not a bench game. You feel like the bench is in a better place. Meanwhile, from Baylor's side, they uh, they hit a bunch of threes. They didn't end up shooting a super high percentage at 30%. Um, LJ Cryer went off in the first half. He had 22 points in the end. Flagler had 17. Jalen Bridges had four offensive rebounds, and that was kind of the story of the game. Baylor ended up with 17 offensive rebounds. Uh, you're going to have to lower that number. KU also had 15 turnovers, which was one of the higher marks of the season. So that's what kind of sticks out about what happened in that first matchup. Now, as far as uh, what Baylor does well so far this season, if we just look at, at numbers in conference only, play, it's funny because Baylor is literally 
the best offense and the worst defense. And if you look at it overall on the season, they're number one in the entire country in offense, and they are number 78 in the country in defense. They're honestly similar to the Missouri team from 2012 that had a bunch of really good guard play but couldn't really play defense. They could beat anybody, but they could also lose anybody. You know, the shots just didn't happen to fall that day because they didn't have the ability to make other teams play bad. But uh, in conference-only play, they do basically everything well on the offensive end. Uh, the, really, the one thing is is they get shots blocked a good amount, but like, yeah, whatever. They are number one in Big 12 games in turnover rate offensively. So they don't turn all over. Makes sense. They play three little guards. They are number one in offensive rebounding percentage in Big 12 on the games. They're also 11th in the country. They get to the free throw line at a good amount, third in the conference. They're the number one three-point shooting team in the conference at 36%. Number two in free throw percentage, number one in avoiding getting steals, number one in avoiding non-steal turnovers. Um, they are just sixth in two-point percentage, so they don't always get easy buckets, though now that everyday John's back at center, that does help them out a little bit in that regard. But defensively, they're just 10th. And again, having everyday John back on defense, like that helps them. So they're probably better than this. And also the difference between some of these teams is not that far in some of these different areas, but they are 10th in effective field goal percentage defense. Biggest reason why they're 10th in two point defense. And again, having everyday John back makes them better than actually being the worst defense in the big 12, but it still probably doesn't change that they're not a good defense. They don't really force a lot of steals. They're middle of the pack defensive rebounding team. They do a good job of avoiding fouls, but they don't really get a lot of steals. So you look at the 15 turnovers in the last game for Kansas. A lot of those are probably unforced. Have to do a better job of just taking care of the ball. That just comes from your internal focus. Um, as far as the rebounding, that's something that scares you because that's something they always do well. Now, when you look at what Baylor's done since that three-game losing streak, they have been hot, hot, hot. The only loss since then was at Texas by five. Then they've won four straight games. Lineup they're going to throw out. Talked about the three little guards, Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer, and uh, Keontae George. 6'3", 6'1", and 6'4", respectively, from those three guys. They can all get a bucket. They can all get a bucket off the dribble. They can all get a bucket off a pull-up. They can all hit open threes for you. I mean, they're, they're really good scores. They also have Langston Love, who will play a lot at kind of the wing position, guard position, 6'5". He can score a little bit, too. Jalen Bridges, a uh, little bit of a, a stretch forward. Not a great three-point shooter, but can shoot him. And he was really impactful on the offensive glass last time he played. And then you have Everyday John and Flo Thamba kind of anchoring the middle for this team. It's a very, very good Baylor team. We saw them beat Kansas in the first go-round and should be a fun one here in round number two. We're going to get on to our matchups of the game in just a second here. But first, we're going to take a quick time out. You're listening to Locked on Jayhawks. So we're back for our matchups of the game with Locked on Jayhawks. And Coming up on Monday's show, we'll recap whatever happens in the KU Baylor game. Might actually try to get that that KU Baylor recap out on Sunday, and that way we can do a KU TCU preview on Monday because that'll be a quick turnaround for Big Monday for Kansas on the road in Fort Worth. So matchups of the game, uh, how does KU defend Baylor? So this this goes into a lot of different intricacies and spider webs and stuff. But um, how do you defend the little guards first of all? You had trouble with that enough. They're so good in pick and roll. They're so good in isolation. Who's going to defend them? And how does Kansas switch? In the first meeting with Baylor, they switched five. It didn't go well in the first half. I don't know what they did differently in the second half. If it was switching not as much or if it was just 
you know, playing the scouting report better, just understanding what they're doing better. But KU has been switching five a lot since that game. So maybe they're because up until that game, it had mostly been they've been switching four. I wonder if now they're more comfortable switching five. And that's the other thing. Like you could have the perfect defensive game plan. Baylor's the number one offense in the country. They're going to still get buckets. They're still going to score. So I, I could see KU being a little more comfortable there, but I'll be interested to see what they do as far as how the defense goes. And I think back into the defense here, the injury stuff for Kansas. Uh, this could go as his own individual matchup, Kansas versus ankles, or we could just lump it in with the defense. But with Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller, both of them suffering ankle injuries. How flexible, how agile, how mobile are they going to be to defend? And again, if you're switching five, that doesn't guarantee that they'll end up on the guy with the ball or the guy taking the shot anyway. But those are your two best defenders. It'd be real nice to have them in a matchup like this where they have three of the most explosive scoring guards in the entire country on one team. That certainly is a big storyline and a big matchup in this game. Now, Kansas on the, the glass is going to be very important. Um, mentioned Baylor getting those 18 offensive rebounds against Kansas in the first meeting. That can't happen again. Now, Baylor's going to get theirs. They're, they are. They're number one team in the Big 12 in offensive rebound rate, 11th in the country. They're going to get offensive rebounds. They crash the glass hard. That's a strategy for them. They have good athletes to do so. They work on it. But have it be a game where they have 10, 11, 12. You know, and, and Baylor hasn't been a great defensive rebounding team. Get 9, 10, or 11 back your own way so that the possession game, the extra shots they're getting from the offensive rebound, aren't as much. If you avoid the turnovers and you can neutralize that offensive rebound rate to where you're within maybe, you know, maybe they have 12 and you have nine, you're within three, and your turnovers are now down to 10 or 11 as opposed to 15 last game, those, you know, extra possessions are going to add up and are going to be the difference of you kind of winning or losing this game. But overall, you have to stick to shooters. You have to stick to the three-point line. And I think from an offensive perspective, I'm really interested to see if Jalen Wilson can do exactly what he did last time. I'm interested to see if Grady Dick can do what he did last time. I think that the KU wings should be viewing this as, you know, we have a, a height advantage on the wing from the one through three. And so if you're playing the two or three, I mean, you're being guarded by one of those little guards. If you're either Grady Dick or Kevin McCuller, take advantage of the height, drive to the rim, use your height advantage. And I do think this is going to be a game where we could see a couple times during the game, the bill self play that we've seen here over the last couple of years, a fair amount, you know, maybe a few times a game where they post up one of their guards or wings because they're on a smaller player and just bury them in the post. The problem with that, if Baylor's playing a drop coverage and they just leave the center inside, then you won't get the opening. But if they do, if they are able to kind of elevate and KJ Adams is able to pull the center away from the rim, I could see that being uh, one way that KU can maybe exploit a few possessions or get a few easy buckets on Baylor on the inside. Um, so use your height, use your advantage there. And if KU can do that, you feel okay. So uh, at the end of the day, the other part of this is, you know, you remember last year, Kansas defeated Baylor. In out that blue amount, and Kansas was able to hold their own on the boards. And because of that, because Baylor sends numbers forward and you know might send three guys crashing the offensive glass, if you can get the defensive rebound and get the ball out fast on an outlet, you're gonna have numbers and it's gonna lead to you being deadly in transition. We know KU is a great transition team, so if you have that good defensive rebounding game, you should be able to get more transition looks. And we know how this team can do in those transition looks, as we've seen 
really all season long. So those are kind of the things that uh, I'm going to be looking for as far as the best individual matchup. I don't really have one specifically just because Kansas is going to be kind of switching five on everything. But in terms of maybe the biggest difference for Kansas in this matchup to the last one, I guess KJ Adams had the, the struggling game, but Dewan Harris was in that funk after the hit his head against Kansas State, whether that affected things or not. He went into a funk after that for a few games, and that was one of them. I expect him to play so much better. I expect him to be so much better uh, in control of the game, not as many turnovers. He's been a better scorer in some recent games, just five against Oklahoma State, but the games before that, that I expect that to be a lot better. And that, to me, is probably the matchup of the game. Like, hypothetically, if it's Adam Flagler, Dewan Harris, and I think Dewan's a lot better now. And also the bench for KU, you know? Uh, the bench should be a lot better now than it was the last time you played Baylor, but uh, certainly probably still not to where you totally like it, but uh, we'll wait and see. Ernest Uday's played some good minutes for you lately, and that should help you with some of those big centers down low for Baylor. And, you know, last time we saw Ernest Uday have to come in there with KJ Adams being in foul trouble, and he looked lost. He got lost a couple times, led to open threes in space on the pick and roll. It's a little scary that you could have that matchup this time, but We'll see how much he's improved. Perfect opportunity for him. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks, the KU Baylor game. And on, have a good rest of your day. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Till Monday. See you.